0: Well, we're over three months into D.C.'s coronavirus shutdown and restaurants are just starting to reopen again, but only after more than 100 days of little to no business. And guess what? This whole time, they've still owed rent.
1: Now, there are legal protections that keep restaurants from being evicted during this time, but if they can't negotiate their lease with their landlord, a lot of places won't last through this month, let alone the rest of the pandemic. Last week, we met Simone Jacobson, co-owner of the me DC's only full-service Burmese restaurant. If you haven't listened yet, this episode is the second part of our series on rent. Go back and check the first one out. Anyway, the me like many DC restaurants, has been closed for the past three months.
0: It's a fear that I have that will be forgotten. The me started in 2020 with the kind of momentum restaurant owners dream of. At barely a year old, Thami was getting nominations from the James Beard Foundation and was appearing on top 10 lists from The Washington Post and Eater, D.C. The coronavirus shutdown at the height of Thami's popularity has left Simone with two main concerns. One, that the hype and public interest she built up over Thami's first year would vanish and diners would go elsewhere.
2: Are people going to go to French and Italian restaurants because that's comfort to them?
0: And two, perhaps an even more frightening concern, that the pandemic would run their business dry before they had a chance to reopen.
2: First call is landlord. You know, I mean, it's our biggest expense and he needs to know.
1: Simone's landlord is Sam Chung. Sam asked us to talk to his daughter, Jane, because he's recovering from surgery right now. Jane is helping her father manage the building the me rents out.
3: For my father, his priority is to pay his mortgage and to pay it on time.
1: Jane and Sam knew that if they wanted the me to stay as a tenant, they'd have to work with Simone. So they waived April rent and used Simone's security deposit to cover May.
3: And that was kind of a quick Band-Aid that we put on for the months of April and May. You know, we obviously didn't know it was going to last this long and go into into
0: June. Simone knew how generous Jane and Sam were being, but she also knew that this band aid wasn't going to last forever. She needed to re examine her whole lease, because if the Mii was going to reopen or pay back their deposit, they needed a more flexible payment plan. As DC moves forward to reopening, coronavirus is still affecting restaurants. The Mii is tiny and won't be able to seat as many customers, and less customers means less profit. Less profit, of course, means less money to pay the rent.
1: With that in mind, Simone paid her June rent as a good faith gesture, and then she put an offer on the table. Instead of paying a fixed amount for rent, Simone wanted to pay a percentage of their sales for three years.
2: The thinking behind that is just that we share the risk and the rewards.
0: This is Dish City. I'm Ruth Tam.
1: And I'm Patrick Fort. This week, we continue our series on paying the rent. Simone and her landlords have a rare relationship. So today, we'll talk to two other restaurant owners about their experiences negotiating the rent during a pandemic.
4: What he should be looking at is the market rates. It's like if someone came to my restaurant and I look at them and I say, oh, she looks like she has a diamond ring on. I better charge her a little more for her pizza.
0: We'll hear from real estate experts on what landlords are considering in this situation. And finally, we'll check back in with Simone and Jane. Are all those good vibes between them enough to sustain their relationship, especially as the pandemic continues to test the resilience of small restaurants? Simone's rent negotiations have been challenging, but she's not butting heads with a giant development company. She's talking to one family landlord about one location and one lease.
1: But what if you own restaurants with more than one location?
5: We actually have three leases out right now with three different landlords. So three different rents for each location.
1: That's Joe Newman. He co-owns Sloppy Mama's Barbecue. They have two locations in Arlington and one in D.C.
5: We're a barbecue company. Meat prices are through the roof. You know, we're doing takeout and delivery, so all the paper costs more money. You know, we went from having uh, very slim margins in good times to, you know, we're basically just trying to operate at cost as best as possible.
0: Like Simone, Joe likes the idea of percentage rent, but he's carrying more financial risk with three different locations. So he made an even bigger ask than Simone.
5: We couldn't be like, oh, we want one year of free rent. So we were like, what will work for both sides? We came up with the idea that we were going to ask for six months rent abatement and then percentage rent.
1: Abatement means Joe's rent is canceled. And in Joe's case, he wants to cancel rent for six months.
0: After those six months of no rent, Joe wants percentage rent, which means he'd pay a percentage of Sloppy Mama's sales
5: instead of a fixed amount.
1: And to make up for that period without rent, his landlord would probably extend his lease for six months.
5: And we had to present it in such a way that we were going to be splitting the risk um, or the loss, depending on how you wanted to look at it. The way we look at it is we are at best a year away from pre-COVID numbers in our operation. This year's a wash, it's a loss, however you look at it, and we want to work through it with the landlord. And that's why we went with six months. It's like, look, you're taking a loss, we're gonna be taking a loss, and you know, we're just trying to split it and, and spread it around because if it's 100% on us, the chances of us getting through to the other side aren't awesome.
0: Six months of free rent sounds like a lot, but Joe doesn't think he's asking for the moon.
5: We think it's a realistic solution for for all the parties involved, because the landlords are, are in a similar situation as well. Like they're all just, you know, their income is dwindled to a trickle, um, you know, in some capacity, and, and that's got its own repercussions.
0: According to Joe, his more corporate landlords are waiting to see how fast society will reopen before committing to anything. And it's his smaller landlords that tend to be
1: more flexible. This sounds pretty similar to Simone's situation with Jane.
5: What matters is the landlord. The landlord is the ultimate determiner of how easy it is to negotiate.
1: But small, independent landlords aren't always open to negotiation.
0: Anastasia and Enzo Algarme opened the first brick and mortar location of their Pupatella pizza chain in Arlington, Virginia, in 2010. They were young, inexperienced, and according to Anastasia, unprepared for the reality of running a real restaurant after operating a food truck for three years.
4: There were lots of places available for rent in the neighborhood, but us not having um, a lot of money or a, a huge business history, most of the landlords turned us down.
1: Their original location on Wilson Boulevard is in the Bluemont neighborhood. It's in a small strip mall next to a gas station.
4: This place was actually the only place that would rent to us. This was kind of a no-brainer for us because (laughs) it was in the same neighborhood where we were setting up our food truck.
0: Over the course of a few years, Anastasia and Enzo discovered they had a difficult landlord on their hands.
1: How would you characterize the relationship between you and, and your landlord up until, I suppose, like May of this year?
4: Just like I told you, we were not spoiled previously. Like we, a lot of landlords turned us down because we were new and fresh. So we were happy with whatever, whatever we could get. But, you know, as the time went on, it became very apparent that the building has a lot of problems. The landlord was not willing to fix any of them. So everything was on us repairing the roof, repairing the parking lot. Um, And we kind of became very resentful of that because we were saying, listen, we are paying you rent on time. we're paying you a very good market rate with constant increases. And you should really be helping us out with this old building that's all falling apart. So this is kind of where the relationship became to go south. And he... Not only was he not willing to help us with the upkeep of the building, but he constantly wanted rent increases. He wanted 40% rent increase every five years.
1: Anastasia and her husband signed on. They could stomach the first rent increase, but the maintenance on their 60-plus-year-old building was starting to become a problem. She says they were responsible for repairs to the roof and other rehab projects. But in a shared building, like the strip mall Pupatella is based in, landlords usually pay for those types of repairs.
0: Since then, Pupatella has expanded into a franchise with four locations in Virginia and a new spot opening soon in D.C. But in March, their landlord came back. It was time to renew their lease on Wilson Boulevard. And with that came another 40 percent rent increase, just as coronavirus began to take hold in Washington. Anastasia knew that this rent hike was coming, but the timing was not ideal. We tried to talk to Pupatella's landlord. We found a couple numbers that we think are his, but we haven't been able to get in touch with him.
4: We said, listen, can you, we, we have to put a lot of money into this building. We are in the middle of a pandemic. You know, obviously, you know, there are people getting sick. Our sales are getting down. Is there anything you can do to maybe wait with this increase? And his attitude was, was just so belligerent. He said that we, we have no, no, no right to be asking for this, that he's in charge here, and we have no rights. We're very lucky we have this location where we're doing well, and we will be very stupid to move somewhere we won't be doing as well. And that he basically said things like, everything you have is because of me.
0: Yeah, it just struck me that, you know, the the, the kind of language that you're, you say your landlord is using, like, oh, all your success is because of me, like, you can't go anywhere, like this kind of verbal entrapment, it really sounds yeah. like the kind of language that people are taught to, you know, avoid in their personal life. So, you know, I can't imagine what it's like to hear something like that in a professional situation.
4: What he did is um, he he drove over and saw where we live. what our our house looks like and I admit we do live in a nice house you know we we got ourselves a nice family house and he said look at that you could afford this house so you can afford this rent increase that's what he told me
1: those are different things
4: those are different things (laughs) that's what I said (laughs) you know I mean our house is nice but it's we certainly don't live in (laughs) In the multi-million-dollar house. First of all, second of all, I mean it, it's totally unrelated. I mean he should be—he should not be looking at that in terms of what he should. What he should be looking at is the market rates. What is his space worth in the open market? It's like if someone came to my restaurant and I look at them and I say, "Oh, she looks like she has a diamond ring on. I better charge her a little more for her pizza."
0: Again, we've reached out to Anastasia's landlord, but we haven't been able to get in touch. So we called Pupatella's neighbors, other tenants of the same landlord. And while they don't know the details of Pupatella's lease, their interactions with this landlord have been similar. They say he hasn't driven to their home or anything, but they too have received rent increases during the pandemic, or they expect to in the future, without sensitivity to the real-life effects of coronavirus hiking up rent up to 30 or 40% during this time, they say it's not fair.
1: The rent increase during the pandemic was the last straw. Anastasia says if they really had to, she could pay it. But it's the timing. Agreeing to a rent increase in the middle of a pandemic when things are really uncertain, it's bad business. It's also important to mention that the total value of the property we're talking about has increased in value by nearly a million dollars since 2016, doubling its value. So the rent increase that's being proposed by our landlord isn't necessarily unreasonable.
0: But you could argue that the property value increased because Anastasia and Enzo renovated parts of the building. So there are multiple ways of looking at it.
1: They're still paying their rent, their same rent in full from before the pandemic started. But they're not paying the 40% increase. And Anastasia and Enzo are planning to move Pupatella, They took to Facebook to share what was going on with their landlord, and they've gotten a lot of support. By now, Anastasia says they've heard from other landlords, and she says their offers made her realize how Pupatella, as a tenant could actually partner with a landlord as opposed to being bullied by one.
4: We are absolutely horrified about moving. I'll, I'll be truthful because... The neighborhood that we're at is a very nice neighborhood. It's very, you know we would like so attached to them. you know, we're we know a lot of people that come in. We've seen kids grow up during our time being there. So it just, you know, for us to like think that well we're gonna have to go somewhere else now is is just heartbreaking. But at the same time, i, I we don't want to be taken advantage of by someone, because that kind of ruins our life, too.
0: Anastasia and Enzo are no longer on speaking terms with their landlord. Compared to the other stories we've heard, this definitely skews more towards the worst case scenario end of things. And it just goes to show how there's really no predicting how people might handle rent negotiations during a pandemic.
1: Some people are able to work closely together, like Jane and Simone. Others, like Joe from Sloppy Mamas, are finding themselves in negotiations that maybe aren't warm and fuzzy, but are at least cordial. Meanwhile, people like Anastasia are having terrible experiences.
0: We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, what does all this look like from a landlord's perspective? We'll hear from a real estate attorney who represents landlords in the area, plus an update from Simone and Jane.
1: Pupitella co-owner Anastasia says if she could go back in time, she would have hired legal help. That's something both tenants and landlords can take advantage of. And that is where Don Holmes comes in. Don is a real estate lawyer in D.C. He typically represents landlords when they negotiate leases with restaurants.
6: I think landlords, uh, the institutional ones at least, get it that the tenant can't make these rent payments, not because they're bad operators, not because they're being sneaky with the, you know, the money going in the cash register or anything like that, but because of this giant overarching crisis that has all 50 states in you know, an emergency status and 38 million people out of work, et cetera, and, you know, hundreds of thousands, 100,000 people dead. It's crazy.
0: This is something we're hearing from restaurant owners and landlords that these are extraordinary times. For landlords and their tenants not to work at a deal that's mutually beneficial, that's against your own best interests.
6: Tenants that are upfront with landlords to get better deals and landlords that are rational upfront with tenants make better deals.
0: Negotiating short term fixes to leases hasn't been a challenge for Don. He says most people want to work together. They'll figure out how to cancel rent or pay a portion of it for a few months and extend their lease to make up for that period of time. It's looking forward in the future that's difficult. No one can predict what will happen with the pandemic, especially when it comes to eating out. And to make things harder, there are new laws that seem to be changing every day.
6: Well, D.C. has Passed the District of Columbia Coronavirus Support Emergency Amendment Act of 2020, I think is <laughs> the name. How many times have you had to say that? In my office, we just call it the Act.
1: Local lawmakers have attempted to protect property renters, both residential and commercial. The Act, as Don calls it, pauses evictions for as long as the mayor says D.C. is in a public health emergency due to coronavirus. It creates grants for small businesses in need, and the Act allows payment plans for tenants who need help paying their rent. There's also protections for restaurants specifically. So while Don sees the value and importance of these new rules, there are still many questions about them and how they operate.
6: Certainly there are people who say, excuse me, that it unfairly interferes in contract. It picks winners and losers fairly arbitrarily, You know, it doesn't care if it's a super, if it's Bill Gates as the tenant and some guy barely getting by as the landlord, tenants are winners and landlords are losers. But it's constantly being rewritten. So it's been it's been difficult to uh, to to kind of keep up with.
0: In Don's imaginary situation, a small independent landlord could be taken advantage of by local laws that prioritize tenants over property owners. In his view, the landlord could be the little guy. But that's not how the law is written or how most people think of landlords. And we asked him about that.
1: What do you think about the term landlord? <laughs> how do you mean? What do you think about it? Like do you, like when, what associations do you have?
6: I think there's a negative connotation for landlords that landlords are bad and tenants are good. Landlords are, you know, landlords are Goldman Sachs and tenants are people who are destitute and being taken advantage of is sort of a narrative that, that you get. In my mind, that's uh, that's that's unfortunate because restaurateurs, in particular, you know, we're talking about restaurants. They can't go buy a space in at, at 19th and M uh, and and start their restaurant. It would be, it would be cost prohibitive. They need landlords, and landlords need, uh, you know, need need to be incentivized to 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 be able to provide a quality product and make a fair return.
0: As renters in D.C., we're definitely familiar with that narrative, but we wondered how this depiction of the greedy landlord felt to an actual landlord. It was time to check in with Jane, the landlord for Simone's restaurant, Thami. Jane's relationship with Simone feels strong, respectful, more empathetic than a lot of the stories we've heard from other tenants. But that doesn't make rent negotiations easy. The stakes are still really high for Jane. So we asked Jane about her experiences with landlords.
3: So, you know, you definitely kind of see like the landlord, at least in my perspective, as the man. I've just always seen it as, OK, it's a big company that I'm just writing checks to. that doesn't have a face. It doesn't have a name. So I never really thought about it in perspective of how my dad's relationships are with his tenants.
0: Now that she managed property with her dad, Jane saw it differently. And we asked her about that in another conversation.
3: Prior to working with with my dad, I just assumed you know landlords were kind of this big entity with lots of money, lots of liquidity, able to throw money wherever. That's not always the case, right? Because my dad is a one man show essentially, and these are this is his like life savings that he's put into to the building. So we hear all these amazing stories of like some landlords giving free rent to their their tenants, and you know my dad of course would love to do that. He just is not financially in the capacity to do that which is why we're having these negotiations.
0: Now that Jane is a landlord, or the man as she puts it, she sees the opportunity to correct the image of greedy landlords. But that's a hard thing to do when
1: she also has to watch out for her own family's interests. So that brings us back to Themi. Simone's relationship with Jane and Jane's dad sounds great. They've got a lot of things going for them that other tenants and landlords don't have. But is it enough? Given everything that's happened, Simone wanted rent to be a variable cost for three years.
2: Our first proposal was to do a percentage of ourselves only.
0: Jane could see the need for some flexibility, but there was the mortgage to consider. That was still a fixed cost for
1: her and her dad.
3: For my father, his priority is to pay his mortgage and to pay it on time.
1: Which Simone understood.
3: If we made no
2: sales, we put them in a position where they can not pay the mortgage and nobody wins in that scenario. If they can't pay their mortgage and they lose the building, then we also have no building.
0: Plus, if you only had percentage rent, it would kind of remove any incentive for Simone to make enough money to pay Jane and her dad.
1: Then there was the timeline to consider. For Jane, three years was just too far into the future to plan ahead.
3: I don't even know what's going to happen in five months, let alone in three years. So there has to be a balance for me.
1: Which Simone could live with.
3: The
0: paperwork hasn't been signed yet, but they seem to both have settled on these terms for the next year. The ME will cover Jane and Sam's monthly mortgage payment, and they'll pay a small percentage of their sales. In a worst case scenario, they break even. In a
2: medium case scenario, they break even with a small profit. And in a best case scenario, uh, they profit and we profit of course, the Mm -hmm. ultimate goal.
1: Simone and her mom, Jojo, who is the chef at the meet, say they share the same values as Jane and Jane's dad, Sam. They think these values make a difference during a time when not a lot of people are willing to see each other's point of view.
2: Our landlord is Korean American and my family is Burmese American. Um, And, you know, we talked on the personal level about this sort of time of anti-asian racism with you know the president calling this a chinese virus and all these um you know open attacks on asian americans sam my landlord is is a man of relatively few words and you know he didn't say all of the things that i'm saying um but what he did say was uh hey we're family we'll figure this out being a daughter of an immigrant mother i, I know you know, what's contained in some of those short sentences is a lot. And, um, you know, that that meant a lot to
3: me. My parents immigrated here in the late 70s, uh, became citizens in 1984. I was born and raised here. So I have much more of a I think a mix of an American and Korean mindset. But there is typically one, a sense of community that you help each other out. I think the other thing is I have seen my parents work very, very hard to get to where they are. And when you see your parents working that way, and my father himself has lived through that, of course your heart, I think, is a little bit more open to other immigrants who you see working that hard. Because you've been there, you've been in their shoes, as their children, you see what your parents go through. So, you know, thinking about Chef JoJo's, you know, Mm -hmm. everything she's gone through, of course, like. You, you see that because you're like, that could be, that was my parents. That's what my, my parents went through as well.
0: The details still need to be ironed out and lawyered, but ultimately Simone, Jane, and Jane's father, Sam, are committed to the idea of flexibility, of keeping the door open, and of collaborating.
1: So what's next? Last Saturday, the me opened up for customers for the first time in 96 days.
0: One person per party. What? But it's one person per party, oh, okay. so I don't That's really quite...
3: Hi. Uh, no, you're, oh here? Okay.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah, you're totally good, hi. it's Ruth. Hey, oh my gosh, Ruth. Hi. I would not recognize your eyes only. Yeah. Ruth, did you place two orders? I did. Are you all together?
0: I'm with Patrick. Oh, Patrick, uh, come did, on in. Yeah, okay. if you guys
2: want to take a little space here. Sure. Um, you placed two orders or one for Patrick, one
0: for you. I did uh, two for me because Perfect.
2: of the cakes. The cakes okay, so um, Jordan, we have
4: 31
0: and 33. The meat was emptied out. No tables or chairs. They haven't fully opened up for meal service, but they've started to do pop-ups on the weekends, selling Burmese desserts, partnering with other food businesses, and fundraising for causes they really care about just wanted to know how everything how it feels to be open to the public for the first time in months. Wow, it is the first
2: time um, it feels good it feels really good you know it took us a while to go through the grieving process but now that we've had enough time and space to grieve we can accept that this is the same four walls but a different heartbeat inside and so we're going to, you know, we're going to open ourselves to the possibility that it could be something new. You know, like we say in Asia, like same, same, but different. It's not the same restaurant that we had pre-pandemic. Uh, but as you can see, we are still serving, still laughing. We're still in community with others. And so it's, it's been great, actually. It's been a really beautiful day.
1: Dish City is produced by me, Patrick Fort. And me, Ruth Tam. Our
0: editor is Ponsi Rutsch, and our theme music is by Daniel Peterschmidt. My kid mixed this show.
1: WAMU's general manager is JJ Yore, and Mona Ashby oversees all the content we make here.
0: Talk to us online on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Dish City, and our email is dishcity at WAMU.org.
1: If you love Dish City, tell a friend and review us in your podcast app. It'll help listeners like you find our show.
0: Important note: we're taking a little break from producing episodes for the next couple weeks, but we'll be back with more stories soon.